Well, New York City is in a state of turmoil as illegals overrun the street. And while the city has spent millions to create shelters for said migrants, they are now refusing to utilize them as leftist activists educate these new additions to America on how to take proper advantage of the country. On top of that, the Satanic Temple is opening up an abortion clinic to help women gain access to religious abortion care or abortion rituals, as they call it whatever happened to safe, legal, and rare. And finally, the U.S. is getting ready to send more military aid to Ukraine, amounting to over $2 billion as, contention, as tensions continue to mount worldwide. And yes, more contention is built here in the United States as people get upset about the amount of taxpayer dollars we're sending abroad. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to be covering these topics today alongside a multitude of other things that have made it into the news. So let's jump right into it. But first off, please remember that this show is funded by you, watched by you, shared by you, liked by you, all of that good stuff. And I can't thank you enough. Some of the best ways to support said show is by going to my subscribe star. The link is down below. You guys can go check that out. Uh, if you become a subscribe star, a, yeah, I guess a subscribe star with me. If you become a member of the community, you get access to direct messaging with me. And I also post uh, behind the scenes sneak peeks of where I'm going next. And I really get to interact with you guys. So I like it a whole lot. Also remember that you guys can Support the show by leaving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to the podcast version of the show anywhere podcasts are streamed. So that means Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or my website, savsesofficial.com. But please go leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know we don't love Apple, but it does help us grow in the charts. And I am going to start reading two reviews at the end of every single show. So stay tuned to the end and see if your review gets read, if you have left one. If you have not, go check out the Apple podcast and leave me a five-star review if you like the show. Now, let's go ahead and jump right into what is going on in New York City. As extremely frustrated New York City Mayor Eric Adams pleads with the White House for more help on the migrant crisis. This is a headline from Yahoo News, but the first place that I saw this issue arising was from local New York media. I was scrolling through YouTube and one of the first things that I saw was this video about what's actually going on on the streets of New York City currently. Now it's interesting because a lot of people will say these entitled ungrateful migrants are starting to turn away the, the shelter, right? That the city had built for them. I've gone to New York City myself and I reported on the shelters that they set up for migrants, which by the way, they set up in a parking lot right next to a beach in the middle of winter. But that's beside the point here. Um, the migrants are now refusing to go to said shelters and a local news report gives us some insight as to why. Let's listen. 42,000 migrants have been bused to New York City since last spring, and roughly 32,000 remain in the shelter system. Migrants staying at the Watson Hotel boarded MTA buses today, headed to the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal, but not every migrant wanted to go. Instead, overnight, a tent city popped up on 57th Street, with some asylum seekers saying they'd rather sleep in the street than go there. Asylum seekers say in Midtown they found work. Over there, they'd be in the middle of nowhere, they say, sleeping next to the ocean. He could have easily, along with Governor Hochul, opened up all the vacant luxury apartments. We are on 57th Street right now. This is 
the super towers on this street are empty. Very basic beds, head to foot, no space in between them. There's four bathrooms in the entire facility for a thousand beds. They've described multiple security gates to get in. They've described that there's only food during limited hours and that sometimes the water runs out. And importantly also, it's cold in there. Despite the mayor's claim that it's heated, they said it was cold in there. Advocates are asking migrants not to board the buses. Okay, okay. So a couple of things with this local report. Now, this is a cut and dry example of your average liberal activist and your average Democrat. A lot of people will make the argument that we should be welcoming in these illegal immigrants from these communist countries because they understand what communism or socialism looks like when enacted and they won't vote that back in. So that's a lot of the mentality of some people on the right wing or pro who are pro-immigration. But what I want you to understand is that it's not the right wing that is going and rallying around these illegal immigrants on the streets of New York City. No, in fact, it is leftist activists like the one that you just heard that is encouraging the migrants not to get on buses and not to go to these shelters. So what is currently happening right now is leftist activists are targeting their next voter base and encouraging them to utilize and take advantage of the United States of America to its fullest extent. Now, I took some notes here from what we just listened to, and I want to go over all of the points, starting off with the fact that the migrants don't want to go to these shelters because they're able to find work in the area that they are currently in. My question is, because every single time I read about these asylum seekers that are sleeping on the street, what I'm playing for you guys now is the street outside of the Watson Hotel where these migrants are now sleeping on the street. Uh, this, in the, this is in the Hell's Kitchen area of New York City because they refuse to go th to those centers. And one of the reasons why they're refusing is because they're saying they cannot find work. Again, the news keeps reporting to me that if you are here illegally, you're not allowed to work without a visa. So who is hiring these illegal immigrants and what work is it exactly that they're finding? Very interesting admission on that point portion. On top of that, you have your activists coming in, okay? You have your liberal activists coming in and telling these migrants and teaching these migrants how to properly take advantage of the United States of America. Starting off with his speech on the vacant luxury apartments that are all around that could be opened up by New York City Mayor Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul. Now, this is a beautiful example of what socialists think, like how they think the government works, right? They think that money is created by the government and the government makes money and that the government can allocate said money to whatever they deem necessary. The government does create money, but again, whose money and who is earning said money and, and whose money is being used to, let's say, maybe open some of these vacant luxury apartments, heat said luxury apartments, provide water for the luxury apartments, and basically pay for those migrants to stay in there. That's right, the U.S. taxpayer, okay? Not the socialist on the ground screaming there. Actually, yeah, his taxpayer dollars are going towards the illegal immigrants and them if they were placed in these luxury apartments. That's who would be paying for this. So he goes on to say, oh yeah, this is a, a cut and dry, simple solution. There's luxury apartments everywhere. Let's just go ahead and put, put the illegal immigrants in there. Then he goes on to completely trash 
the migrant shelters. Now, I promise you that there are migrants who have made the very long and perilous journey from their socialist country to the United States of America, truly looking for a better life. There are people like that. And those people are very grateful to be in the United States. They're looking for the American dream, their new opportunity at life. But then they're meeting activists like this one who are saying, oh, this is so inhumane that the city set up a shelter specifically for you and they're providing you with a place to stay with food, a bathroom, and water to drink. This activist is now going in and telling these migrants, and let me just repeat what some of the things that he said, that there are security gates that they have to go through, that it's cold outside, and that there aren't enough bathrooms. To which I would respond, okay, then send these illegal immigrants back to the country that they just flee, flee from. It's cold in the shelter. They don't like it. It's not comfy. They'd rather stay at a five-star hotel. There's security gates. Uh, that's probably a good thing that there's security gates. I wish there were security gates around this damn country. Then there wouldn't be illegal immigrants flooding in, but here we are. This is what this activist is complaining about. And again, I kind of butchered my explanation there in the beginning, but this is what the average socialist is wanting, right? For our country to be flooded in by illegal immigrants and then for the government to just take care of everybody. Do you think that if this socialist on the street telling these illegals to fully take advantage of the system has a job? Do you think that if he had a nine to five or if he was working on maybe creating an American business or running some type of shelter to help these immigrants or maybe even opening up his own home to said immigrants and then funding to keep that home heated and all of these immigrants fed? If he was working for all of that, do you think he'd have time to go and indoctrinate these immigrants? No, he's probably living off of the government, just like he wants all of these immigrants to do while we pay for it. Now, I want to give you guys some real world, world examples as well of what this looks like for the average American taxpayer, right? So Kathy Hochul, the Hochul, apologies, the governor of New York City, has proposed a record-breaking $227 billion New York budget, and a portion of this is going to migrants. $1 billion of this is going to migrants, to be exact. Hochul said aid to New York City would include more than $1 billion in extraordinary funding to help deal with the escalating migrant crisis. In her briefing book, she said she recognizes the effort of governments at all levels to provide services and assist with the resettlement process by providing more than $1 billion in extraordinary funding. So, first off, they already allocated a $1 billion to creating these initial migrant centers that the migrants are now refusing to go to and they're sleeping on the streets of New York City instead. And let me just highlight this hypocrisy, right? This activist is saying that the migrants don't want to go to the shelter because it's cold. What do you think the weather outdoors at night in New York City is? They're sleeping on a cold street and this activist is encouraging them to sleep on the street over sleeping in a shelter because said shelter is cold and sleeping out on the streets in New York apparently isn't. Now. Mayor Eric Adams says he's so overwhelmed and we've seen a lot of these sanctuary cities because keep in mind, New York is very much a sanctuary city. They're very upset at the amount of illegal immigrants that are coming in. Per that news report, again, 42,000 have been bused into New York City since I believe they said last spring. Let's remember the rhetoric that came out of New York City Mayor Eric Adams' own mouth or Twitter account for this matter. We've always welcomed immigrants in New York City. Nothing about that is going to change. However, when we see Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott bus illegal immigrants to said city, Mayor Eric Adams is very upset. 
He's basically saying, don't send any more. We have no place to put these people. We're overwhelmed. This is a crisis. To which I would say, welcome to what we've been dealing with since Joe Biden got into office in border states. Now, this is an issue that the federal government should have gotten under control, but because of Joe Biden's policies, we basically have open borders. And that has been corroborated by the illegal immigrants themselves. You go down there, you speak to them, and they point blank tell you, yes, we are coming here because Joe Biden has told us that the border is open. Joe Biden is president, and we know that we can get into the country and we will not be deported. Under Donald Trump, we never would have done that. I spoke to an immigrant at the border myself. That is why I think on the ground reporting on whatever issue is so important, because then I can come on my show and say, hey, actually, this is what's really going on at the border. And this is the mentality of a lot of these migrants. So the migrants are already being told by the entire president of our United States that they're welcome into the country. They get over here and then they have activists meeting them. They have, um, what, what are they called? NGOs. Yeah. Non-government organizations coming in, picking them up at the border, giving them free bus tickets and plane tickets to wherever they're wanting to go to and basically helping them leech off of the government. They're going to New York City if they got bus there by DeSantis or Greg Abbott. And then they have activists welcome, welcoming them in saying, hey, don't utilize the shelters that the city has created specifically for you because you deserve better. You deserve the American dream, which is apparently living in a luxury high rise in New York City after you legally break into our country on the taxpayer's dollar. It's disgusting to me. And just to give you guys a recap as well of how many illegal immigrants have made their way into our beautiful country, um, fair analysis, 5.5 million illegal aliens have crossed our border since Biden took office. They ask the question, how is Secretary Mayorkas still employed? And then they go over all of those numbers. Keep in mind that we saw a record over 2.7 million illegal immigrants come across our border for the fiscal year of 2022. That was just one year. So they're speculating about 5.5 million illegal immigrants have made their way over in the past two years since Joe Biden has gotten into office. And I want to give you a real world example of what that looks like for your average taxpayer. Um, focusing in on the public education system. Now, this article comes from The Hill, estimating illegal immigration's cost to public education. And they go on to talk about the amount that we're spending on students every single year and the amount of illegal immigrants that are state education age that are going to be entering education. As an example of how much money it's going to cost us to support these illegals coming in. So let me give you this example. They go on to talk about the cost of public education. According to the World Population Review, federal, state, and local governments spend about $720 billion annually, or $14,840 per pupil on K-12 public education, with the federal government providing a little bit over 7, almost 8% of that funding, and the majority of that coming from state and federal governments, okay? 46.7% is coming from state government, with the other 456 coming from local government. So again, that's you, that's the taxpayer. And then they go on to make the point that it's the federal government, however, who is charged with making and enforcing immigration policy, and the cost of public education is largely left to the state and local governments. They then go on to talk about how many illegal immigrant children they predict to be entering the education system. So we went over some of those numbers there, um, and they're just focusing in on the nearly 2.4 million apprehensions in the fiscal year of 2022. 
Okay. So they're just looking at 2022 here. And they basically go through in this entire article and bring down the percentages. They go, okay, of those 2.4 million, how many of those are, you know, education age um, of, or how many are children? And then of those children, how many are old enough to go into the K through 12 sector? Um, so they were saying, okay, let's go ahead and just break this down and say that 37% uh, of these people coming in illegally are children. So uh, they even, again, took a third off of that to say maybe some of the kids can't even make it into the education system. So they'll say there's about 513,000 school-aged children that have come into the country illegally. Now, if we multiply that times the average cost of public education per student, that equals to about $7.6 billion in new public education costs for just one year's worth of undocumented children. So there you guys go. That's a little bit of an insight into how much of your taxpayer dollars are going towards illegal immigration. And keep in mind that on top of that, that is just the education system, okay? That has nothing to do with the healthcare system. That has nothing to do with all of the food stamp systems and welfare systems that we have in place as well that a lot of these illegal immigrants are utilizing that we, again, are paying for. Uh, let's not forget the clips that we were seeing from Bill Malusian in El Paso just this past December. You had... You had thousands of people, not hundreds, but you had thousands of people every single night uh, crossing over from Juarez into El Paso. And this is something that was happening for a week straight. This is something that happens every single night. You can go to Yuma, Arizona, and you can watch hundreds of illegals continue to pour in because our border is wide open. And again, they're immediately met by these Democratic leftist activists that are targeting their voting base and saying, hey, come and vote for us. Come and put us back into office and we'll give you all of the freebies you could ever want. Then they get reelected into office and our country is in further decline, all at our expense, all at the taxpayer's expense. I don't know how more clear I can be about the fact that our federal government does not give a damn about us than where we are currently at in the modern day, not only with immigration, but also with sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. It's an absolute slap in the face to American citizens who are dealing with with record high inflation, who are dealing with empty grocery store shelves, who are dealing with record high gas prices, because gas is going up. In our last show, uh, I was reading, I can't remember which news outlet put this out, but the headline basically read, $4 gas is making its way back uh, come summertime. And why do you think that is? Because Joe Biden can only drain our strategic oil reserves so much. And the amount of oil that he took from said reserves and uh, flooded into the market is only going to last for so long. So naturally, those gas prices are going to go up. And I forgot to make this point last show. Our gas prices don't need to be this high. And the gas prices have nothing to do with the Russia and Ukraine war. It has to do with the fact that Joe Biden is continuing to push this green energy policy, and it is making the gas prices go up. Because he's, he's trying to stop fracking. He is trying to Stop new oil leases, okay? Federal oil leases um, or fracking on federal lands was a ban that he had signed his first day in office. So he's a very anti-oil president and the green energy policy is a direct result of our rising gas prices. Things don't have to be this way. And the left can lie about it all day long and say it has to do with Russia. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not have to do with Russia. 
we can be energy independent. We don't even need to depend on any other countries for our oil. The United States has quite a bit of it. But we are being handicapped by our own leaders. It is truly the people in power right now that are subverting the will of the people and collapsing our entire country. For example, uh, there is a video of Minnesota legislators who were talking about a bill regarding illegal immigrants being able to get driver's licenses. And this was the rhetoric in said meeting. Listen. Last night in Ways and Means, we were talking about House File 4 the driver's licenses for illegals. And Representative Hassan was very adamant about the humanity, about the humanity of these people that chose to come to this country. Representative Scott, I was just going to correct you that we do not refer to people as illegals. No human is well, illegal. Well, uh, where's, where's the law saying that? So there you guys go. That is your average local, state, and federal government attendee, leader, Speaker, employee. Oh, uh, please don't call them illegals. That's not nice. No human's illegal. By the way, we're we're ushering in the controlled collapse of this entire country. Okay? Please don't use the term illegal. It's not nice. Our government is a joke at the local level, the state level, and the federal level, and it needs to be completely upended, and we need to make a very drastic change because we are headed towards complete and total collapse. We're already there, actually. What we're living through right now, the fact that it costs $7 to get a carton of eggs, the fact that I couldn't even go buy heavy cream at my own local grocery store the other day, a sign of collapse. The gas prices right now, a sign of collapse. The fact that Joe Biden refuses to answer any questions to the press, a sign of collapse. Now, I, I just want to bring this up as a quick reminder that if a government wants to, they can quickly solve the issue of illegal immigration and our federal government can. Under Donald Trump, we were not dealing with the illegal immigration issues that we are now. Uh, but just a reminder that the left wing only cares about illegal immigrants and accepting them in and allowing everybody in because no human is illegal when it's not affecting them, which is why New York City right now, who Again, Eric, Eric Adams once said, oh, we love illegals. No human is illegal. We accept them. We're a sanctuary city. Okay, here's your illegals. Now he's like, no, no more. Please stop. It's an issue. Remember when Ron DeSantis flew just a small handful of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard? Do you remember how quickly they were deported? Do you remember how quickly they were removed from Martha's Vineyard? I believe it was a, a night, okay? Two days max. They removed them at the speed of light because guess what? Liberals love grandstanding and they love virtue signaling from far away. They love being inside of their mansions, tweeting about how the middle class needs to use their taxpayer dollars, their safe city streets to welcome in criminals, illegals, immigrants, all of this nonsense. I've been talking about this extensively, right? About how we have been conditioned to have lower expectations in society by the same people who refuse to live alongside the society that has been created via these low expectations. Let me explain. We had people advocating for the destigmatization of drug use, of homelessness. Said people live in gated communities nowhere near the crackheads that are openly using on the streets. 
nowhere near the homeless that are camping out on the streets. And another question that I have too, because I saw this on Twitter, right? This mother takes the picture of these two people using, just shooting up, I don't know if it was heroin, fentanyl, some type of hard drug in a New York City subway. She takes a picture and says, this is concerning. Uh, the city said that the subway is supposed to be safe. To which leftist Twitter responded, how dare you take photos of these people? How is this endangering you? How is this an issue? Mind your own business. Those are humans too. Why do none of these activists ever think about the children who are being impacted by this? Why is it that your average adult does not even have the common sense to think about kids, right? They always victimize these adults. These are grown adults. To be quite honest with you, if you were a grown adult and you are in the street homeless and you refuse to be a regular part of society, then at that point, the government should have the ability to come in, scoop you up and put you into a mental institution if you refuse to do your part. Now, I know not all homeless people are bad or mentally ill. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is we do have programs in society to help these people out. And I go and I talk to a lot of these homeless. I go and I talk to a lot of these drug users and they themselves have told me, yeah, I don't want to go utilize that homeless shelter because there's too many rules because I can't go do drugs in there because I can't bring my dog in there. These are the excuses that I'm hearing. To, to which point, again, I would argue, so because you refuse to take control of your life because you refuse to help yourself. The American children have to be impacted by that. Homelessness and drug use on the streets makes children's neighborhoods unsafe, makes their communities unsafe, makes their cities unsafe. But no, for some reason, we keep giving a pass to these people and saying that it is the adults that are the victims in this situation. Absolutely not. It is the children. And we as a society should be able to rally around protecting kids, but we can't even do that for some reason. So again, lower expectations, you have drug use in the street, you have homelessness, you have a wide open border with illegal immigrants pouring in, taking advantage of our system. You have people in, in power, like the, the woman I was just playing that video of, who is most likely applauded for saying, please don't say the term illegal because no human is illegal. No, she should immediately be fired for that for interrupting a proceeding that is about the community to, to interject her own liberal ridiculous narrative. I am so tired of idiotic mindsets being applauded in society when they should be laughed at. The people in society right now that are pushing a lot of this dumbed down rhetoric and ideology should be laughed at. To be quite honest, we need to bring back bullying because it was a good thing. You know what came out of bullying? A lot of dumb ideas got laughed away. Okay, a lot of people lost weight because they were targeted for being overweight. A lot of people hit the gym because they were like, oh, I'm nerdy. I don't want to be nerdy anymore. Or they worked their ass off and created their own business and were like, yeah, look, look at me now. People went through the hardship of bullying and it made them better. It made them stronger mentally. And then they succeeded in life. I'm not saying that bullying is a good thing, but I am saying that the people in life who were bullied and utilized that as a strength to overcome and become a better person, that in itself is one of the most important lessons that life can give you. Again, not advocating for bullying, but I am saying like these types of ideas should be laughed out of the room. They should be. We should not be applauding this idiotic behavior or mentality, but it goes back to our lowered expectation in society. Another example of what I'm talking about is how Biden supporter Steph Curry 
is moving to block low-income housing near his $30 million mansion. Now, Steph and Aisha Curry basically wrote a letter to their local community, and they were like, hey, we don't want this. We want you to build a fence around our house if you're going to build this low-income housing because our privacy is super important. They basically are saying, hey, we don't want our, our neighborhood to be unsafe. We don't want this around us. But again, they support Joe Biden, who promotes this exact same ideology, right? Where it's open borders for me, or open borders for you, closed borders for me, and security for me. Open borders for you, but you go to Kamala Harris's house in Washington, D.C., it's surrounded by walls and security guards. You have Biden supporters like Steph and Aisha Curry who are saying, oh, we love the policy, Joe. We think that you're great. We love progressive ideology. But then when low-income housing makes its way to their community, they're like, oh, but not in our neighborhood. Do you remember that amazing tweet from the BLM riots back in 2020? I can't remember who it was, but it was basically this millionaire. And he was like, yeah, BLM. And this is when there was that video going around of low-income housing in Minnesota being burned down. And he was like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. I understand the anger and frustration. And then I think a day later or even a couple hours later, he was like, um, BLM protesters are climbing up the gated communities of my neighborhood and I feel unsafe. This is ridiculous. This is animalistic behavior and it needs to stop. It's, it's very funny how uh, the left and liberals love their ideas put in practice when you're dealing with it and they aren't. So, uh, you know, I, I condemned previously Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott busing illegals further into this country. I still don't like the idea because I think that Greg Abbott should put his foot down and straight up circumvent the entire federal government and send illegals back and protect our national sovereignty. That's what I think he should do. But it does seem like he did. He and Ron DeSantis are sending a strong message now that these liberal, liberals are having to deal with the application of their own policies and ideas. Now, moving on to more ridiculous liberalism, and again, the militarization of the left wing, right? The reason why these people are so successful is because they've conquered America. Now, this is probably an unpopular take, and I don't mean to sound black-pilled here, but if you think about it, America has been conquered by the left. Every Pride Month, the Pride flag is waving alongside the American flag at the most powerful, at the top of the most powerful institutions in Washington, D.C. at our nation's capital. The, the, pride flag, the pride flag is being waved all over this country. Progressivism, liberalism, leftism has infiltrated our major corporations, our education system, our entertainment, our government, state, local, federal, infiltrated everything and we have truly been conquered you walk down the street and, and the fact that we even have to have the conversation as to whether or not there are or more than two genders is an example of how we've been conquered here's another example of that masterpiece cake shop baker this is the baker from colorado loses appeal over gender transition cake now this is the same baker who refused to make a gay wedding cake and leftists and liberals because they know how to conquer and they know how to get their way, continue to attack this man, okay? So basically this transgender person said, hey, I want you to bake me a cake that's blue on the outside and pink on the inside to celebrate my gender transition. The baker tried to say, no, I don't wanna make this cake. And he lost the appeal 
because the the court system said, well, this doesn't have to do with religious freedom or your First Amendment right, I believe, because the cake didn't say anything. It's just a pink cake with blue frosting. However, I thought that the right to refuse service to a customer was a constitutional right for business owners. And also keep in mind that this man is being targeted by liberal leftists because he's a Christian, because he has the audacity to take a stand against their insanity. That's what this is. The left wing is rabid and they do not stop until they get their way. And that's why they've conquered our society. That's why they're able to have free reign on our children. They've infiltrated our education system. They target every single one of us every single day, just like this baker who can't even find a moment of peace. And again, too, my frustration with this lies in the fact that the right wing will never have this energy. And it's because the, the, the right wing are not psychopaths, right? We're grown adults who have jobs and businesses and we want to do the whole like, well, live and let live thing. Let the constitution or the court system take, take over when, when unfair things happen. But the left wing does not play by those rules. The left wing does not live by that ideology. The left wing is here to win, and they are winning in our society today because the right wing is weak. The right wing should be rallying around this man every single day and scaring away any leftist that is going in and trying to, to uh, impose their nonsense on him. This man is being targeted by the left wing. And again, the right wing gets targeted as well by restaurants and all of this. But, but is the right wing out here continuing to bring the consequence of not bowing down to our ideology to said restaurants and businesses? Not really. And again, I'm not even really calling for that. But what I am trying to highlight here is this is why the left wing wins, because they are relentless. So again, just to give you an example of what it looks like when this happens to the right wing, a Texas brewery was supposed to host Kyle Rittenhouse. This was a couple months back. And they were like, hey, yeah, we're an apolitical organization. We're just we're not going to allow Kyle to speak here. We, we just really don't want it. To which Kyle talked, uh, responded like, oh, I thought, you know, free speech existed in this country. Um, it was a free speech rally that he was holding at this brewery. And then they shut it down, saying that they're apolitical. However, this same brewery here in Texas, it's called Southern Star Brewing Company. So if you ever see that place, don't go there. Uh, they had previously hosted pride events and LGBTQ events, but they're apolitical. From the Today Show as well, a restaurant refused service to conservative Christian group, citing staff's dignity, comfort, and safety. Uh, the Family Foundation, a Christian organization, tried to reserve a room and have basically a meeting at this restaurant, and the re restaurant canceled on them and basically discriminated against them for their religion. And the article goes on to say that, you know, it's a Christian organization that opposes abortion rights and same-sex marriage. So... For these staff's dignity, comfort, and safety, we had to turn them away. So these are two examples of uh, the, the right wing of Christians, of conservatives being targeted by restaurants, right? Being turned away from businesses. And these stories came and went. That was it. There's no pushback. There's no opposition. This baking story of the Colorado baker has been going on for years at this point. And the left wing is still coming after this poor man because of his religion. By the way, I believe it is a part of the Civil Rights Act that you cannot discriminate against people for their religion. And that's exactly what this restaurant here did. So 
Uh, and you know what? Someone in the chat too just said that the Smithsonian Museum kicked out kids for pro-life beanies. Thank you for that. I was actually reading that story, but yep, that is another thing that happened. Smithsonian employees were ridiculing these young kids because they had pro-life beanies on and they were like, sorry, we are an apolitical institution, so you can't wear that, that beanie in here. And they kicked him out. Go try to wear a Black Lives Matter beanie in a, the Smithsonian Museum. You probably won't get kicked out. They'll probably give you the freaking... Uh, free pass into their museum at the highest level and let you touch all the freaking artifacts and stuff because you're, you know, you're on the right side of the political aisle. So this is a concept that, again, I I've been trying to flesh out because people are consistently asking 26-year-old me who's barely been alive for that long, what do we do, Seb? What do we do? And you know what? I'm so tired of adults, grown-ass adults, Asking me, well, what are you going to do about it, Sab? What am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What do you mean, what am I going to do about it? I'm doing everything that I can. I'm using my voice. I'm using my platform. I'm working my ass off to try to show people what's going on. So don't sit here and ask me what I'm going to do about it. What are you going to do about it? What are you as an American citizen going to do about it? Because you asking me what I'm going to do about it isn't helping anybody. You asking yourself what you're going to do about it. And then us working together to fix this damn country is the only solution forward. But again, we have been conquered. We can all pretend like America is what it once was, but it's not. Our rights are being impeded upon. Our freedoms are being impeded upon. Do we really truly have our First Amendment right anymore? Or if you wear the wrong political uh, attire, or if you utilize your free speech to wear a pro-life beanie, are you going to get kicked out? Are you going to get shut down? Are you going to get discriminated against? If you're a Christian baker who says, hey, these are my principles and I'm going to stand on them, are you then going to have leftist domestic terrorists terrorizing you for the rest of your life or the government terrorizing you for the rest of your life? Like we're seeing with the January 6th political prisoners. A lot of the people that are still rotting in jail were simply walking through the Capitol building after they were let in by Capitol Police. The government still has them locked up. So if you really do take a very blunt look at where we're currently at, we have been conquered and it is time for the right wing to start getting more aggressive in taking a stance against this nonsense, in rallying around the businesses and the Christians who need help and pushing back against this ideology. Because this leads to a very bad place. So it's not only these business owners that are being targeted. And, and let's not forget, too, all the small businesses that were targeted and shut down by the federal government over the past two years because of COVID-19. That's a whole another thing. But it's also the media, right? Now, um, I was reading this, this Patreon article. And it is titled, You're Not Actually a Journalist. What Happens When the Government Dictates Media Access? And it's about this journalist named Jonathan Cho. He's a Seattle-based journalist, and he was in Seattle's Chinatown to go and report on, I believe it was a new, let me see, what was it? Yeah, it was a new homeless complex that the city was opening up. So all of the mainstream media, and he's a formal local TV reporter, by the way, and he's a current independent journalist. So the media were escorted behind these gates to begin the walkthrough with private security guards of this new homeless complex, and Cho was not allowed in, to which the press staffer involved with this, the government press staffer, was like, oh, you're not a member of the media. So Cho responded that he's not trying to go in and cover, he's trying to go in and cover for the community what this is about. And 
this press secretary says, well, the media is here and you're not a member of them. And the writer goes on to say that independent journalists had long been an accepted part of Seattle's media landscape. With the continued downsizing of legacy newsroom, these journalists helped fill the gap offering important viewpoints and niche coverage of issues that would otherwise be overlooked. Only recently, um, let me see, here we go. Yep. Only recently, more options have emerged to offer a critical counterpoint to Washington State's prevailing progressive narrative. The success of those outlets depends in part on the willingness of public officials and elected leaders to recognize them as part of the media ecosystem. Therein lies the problem. Some of the state's top Democratic officials and their staff have actively sought to blacklist those with dissenting voices, changing internal policies around who can access press conferences, whose email inquiries are answered, and who is deemed to be a quote-unquote real journalist. Now, this is something that I've dealt with myself. Oh, you're not a credentialed mainstream media journalist, so you're not allowed access to this portion of the event where the people who should be questioned are allowed or where you can view the realities of what the city is utilizing taxpayer dollars for. And why don't they want journalists like myself or Jonathan Cho to be able to access these types of things? Because we are showing, again, that dissenting view, the reality of what governments, local, state, and federal are, are utilizing and doing with the people's taxpayer dollars or, or doing when it comes to homelessness, drug addiction, crime. And, and this is a really big issue. We have a government who discriminates against the media, who continues to impede on our rights, who allows businesses to continue to be targeted and attacked by like left-wing extremists to be quite honest with you and then caters and capitulates to all of their demands like watch watch what happens with the new york city migrant situation this leftist activist is there and i'm already hearing from insiders on the ground over there that again it's not the migrants who are coming up with this idea to sleep on the street and push back it's these leftist activists and the leftist activists are now stopping journalists from going and reporting in that area that are giving a dissenting view so do you see how that works antifa and black lives matter are allowed to run rampant and do whatever they want and in return they shut down the media that highlights the unfavorable activities that the government is allowing to prosper. That's what's going on in our society today. It's absolutely disgusting. And I want to I, I wanna show you guys where this leads to. This video has been going viral of people getting arrested for illegal hate speech. Now, remember that we had the vice president of the European Commission in Davos the other week at the World Economic Forum, talking about how illegal hate speech is going to be making its way to the United States. Let me play that clip here, just so you guys can understand what I'm talking about. And then let me talk about the repercussions of illegal hate speech making their way to the U.S. Well, we need the people who understand the language and the case law in the country, mm. because what qualifies as hate, hate speech, as illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the U.S., I think, which you'll have soon also in the U.S. <laughs> so illegal hate speech. And again, who is deeming what hate speech is? Probably the same people who are deeming who is and is not a real journalist. That's right, the federal government. So what is hate speech, right? Is hate speech criticizing a government official or maybe the son of a president who has corrupt business dealings with foreign countries? 
Is hate speech saying, hey, I don't believe that there's more than two genders and I'm not adhering to that policy and ideology? Is hate speech saying I'm a Christian and as a Christian, I don't like abortion and I think that it's murder? Is that hate speech? Based off of the current government and their viewpoint on things and what they've imposed on people, I would venture to think so. And what is the real reality of illegal hate speech laws as they are, again, hinted at coming towards the United States? Let's watch this video and see the reality. In Russia last year, 400 people were arrested for things that they said on social media. 400 people in Russia. Obviously, this country is very different. How many people do you think were arrested in Britain for things they said on social media last year? Go on. Take a guess. I have no idea. 3,300. Really? Arrested for what they'd said on social media? Yeah. Really? What sort of things get you well, arrested? Well, one example I give in my show is uh, there was a young woman from Liverpool uh, called Chelsea Russell. Her friend was killed in a car crash, a 19-year-old woman. And she posted the lyrics of his favorite song on her Instagram, the lyrics. And it was a rap song, so the lyrics contained several instances of the N-word. Okay? She was arrested, prosecuted found guilty, given 500 hours of community service and a fine, tagged, and for a year she was under 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. curfew. My goodness. In Britain. In Britain. In 2018. So that is the reality of illegal hate speech laws. And again, it's being hinted at that they're going to be making their way to the United States. Now, luckily, we have the First Amendment in this country. But like I showed you guys in the last show, we already do have the Biden administration and implementing judges into our federal system, into our court system, that have no idea what the basis of the Constitution even is, what the Constitution even stands for. And if it is up to liberal judges to decide what the First Amendment or illegal hate speech is, then that ultimately will be changed. And in the future, this is something that we could potentially be living under. And again, let's look at the rhetoric that is accepted in the modern day and that is echoed by the highest levels of our federal government. Stuff like this. Okay, really quick. Chat, are trans women biologically male? Are trans women biologically male? Because you'll hear this a lot from these TERFs. Is that true? The answer is yes. no. Actually, trans yes. women are not biologically male because chat, yes, what is the most important sex determining organ your genitals what is, what is the most important sex determining organ in your body it's your brain genitals it's your brain so there you guys go now you push back against somebody like that and you say uh actually a transgender woman is biologically a male yes that is correct boom illegal hate speech laws are now in jail be very wary of what is happening worldwide right now, because ultimately this could come to America if we don't get loud about it, if we don't get angry about it, and we don't push back. Now, since we're on the topic of transgenderism and the LGBTQ community, let's delve into, again, their targeting of our children. Now, this comes from Sarah Gonzalez on Twitter. She says, scoop, Frisco ISD high school teacher, uh, social media post tells LGBT teens that she'll help keep their identity secret from their parents. You are part of my family now. Her post says no one belongs in the closet, but if you're safer inside, I'll guard the door. If your family doesn't support you, you are a part of my family now. And this is another example of this mentality that liberals 
or the state or the government or these teachers have any say into your child's life or have a say into how your child should be raised, right? We've already heard that rhetoric. I believe it was even Kamala Harris who had kind of like mentioned the notion that, oh, well, we need to raise children as a community. And we've heard this type of rhetoric from a lot of teachers of, oh, well, if your parents don't accept you, then we'll take care of you. Don't worry. We're going to circumvent parents and we are going to allow these children to be brainwashed. And we're going to also provide them with the puberty blockers or whatever they need to continue their transition. There's so many stories of teachers who were using preferred pronouns of their students at home and then not telling the parents of said child that the kid thought that they were transgender. And then behind the scenes, the teacher is like feeding this kid all this LGBTQ nonsense. Again, we have to ask the question, who is teaching children this stuff? Do you think that 10 years ago, this was a thing? So I was homeschooled, but I wasn't homeschooled from preschool to second grade. At no, in no portion of my education, this was back in what the like late 90s, early 2000s, was I ever introduced to more than one gender. But now you have YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and the education systems with teachers such as this telling kids that more than one gender is normalized and teaching them this, right? Indoctrinating them. The reason why the term grooming has become so popularized is because if you look at the definition for that, it means you're basically trying to train somebody to accept some sort of action or thing, right? And in this case, it's the LGBTQ propaganda. Here's another example of how kids are being targeted. The Sims game announced a new update, which has the option to make a teen character non-binary or transgender by giving them double mastectomy scars and chest binders. The Sims is advertised for, again, ages 12 and up. They're teaching young, healthy girls that it's okay to chop off their breasts. Yes, that's exactly what this is. It's the normalization of, again, this double mastectomy transgenderism that it's so normal and accepted. Look, it's even in a video game. No, 10 years ago, this was not as widely accepted of a thing. And the reason why we are seeing a lot of detransitioners come out right now is because they were targeted with the propaganda. And then they went through the the whole entire, uh, I guess, cycle of being or thinking they're transgender, having the emotions, not being sure, going through with hormone therapies or surgeries, and then actually just growing out of that phase of their life. Because a lot of kids go through weird phases when they're growing up. Being a teenager is a weird thing. Everyone has weird thoughts when they're a kid and they're a teen, okay? Somebody made a great point the other day on Twitter that when Twilight came out, everyone was pretending to be a werewolf or a vampire. And then guess what? They grew up and they turned into adult and they grew out of it. So transgenderism is kind of the, the latest craze. And that's the modern day version of that. And a lot of these kids are growing out of it. But you know what you can't grow out of? Chopping your breasts off. Inverting your penis and shoving it up inside of your body. It's horrifying what is happening to a lot of these children. And we cannot stand by and allow this to keep happening. I recently wrote an article on YouTube kids and how they're targeting young kids with LGBTQ indoctrination. It was actually my good friend Aldo Butazzoni who created this entire thread. And with YouTube Kids, it's an app that is created specifically so that kids can have a safe environment to browse on YouTube, right? So it kind of like censors out the bad stuff on YouTube. It's more kid-friendly. 
So Aldo went and he created a profile for the nine to 12 year old age range. And when you create a profile for that, one of the first videos that's recommended is about kids meeting a, a gender queer non-binary person. And then one of the suggested channels is about queer kids. And the interesting video that he highlighted was this video about consent. And he asked the question, what are we teaching kids to consent to? And then he goes on and then he made his own, um, uh, you know, I guess, analysis about how maps, minor attracted persons, aka pedophiles, are trying to normalize children consenting to sexual acts with adults. And so this video of consent coming from the same community that keeps trying to decouple consent with age, right? Saying, oh yeah, kids can consent to anything. He was trying to highlight how, hey, that's a red flag. So you need to be very aware as a parent, what is going on in your child's life, what your child is looking at and what they're being exposed to, because we all know that a child's mind is very malleable. It's very easy to influence a child, right? And if they're being exposed to all of this, told it's normal and told it's cool, then you're going to have an entire generation that thinks they're transgender, chops their breasts off, and then grows out of it and is permanently disfigured for life. Again, more and more stories are coming out, and I promise you more and more will continue to come out because now we are going through the phase of transgenderism where a lot of those people who transitioned are now realizing they made a grave mistake. Now, a lot of people would call transgenderism satanic. Another issue that goes alongside those lines is abortion leading us to our next story that the Satanic Temple is opening a clinic to provide religious abortion care, and they're naming their clinic after Justice Samuel Alito's mother, who basically was an advocate for getting rid of Roe v. Wade and the overturn of that. So the article goes on to talk about how the Satanic Temple will challenge the abortion law in states by saying that abortion is a religious practice, right? It's a ritual, an abortion ritual. But to be quite honest, they are, frankly, uh, saying the quiet part out loud, that children are being sacrificed in the ritual of abortion. And a lot of women are lied to about that. The Atlantic, and I noticed this too from a lot of media publications, because safe, legal, and rare was a motto that was consistently echoed alongside the normalization of the abortion conversation. But as it has evolved into abortion on demand all the time, you're now seeing articles like this one with headlines reading, losing the rare and safe legal and rare. So abortion went from, from that to Abortion on demand all the time, use it as a form of birth control. Also, the Satanic Temple is going to be campaigning around abortion as a religious practice. That's where we've gotten to in this country. Started off with gay marriage, and now a Christian baker is being targeted by the entire gay community because he religiously does not want to be a part of creating cakes for said people. And just to give you guys an example, and again, and a reminder of what abortion is, I'm sorry that this photo is so graphic, but... I do feel the need to put it up on screen because a lot of people aren't aware of what abortion is. So let's never forget the five babies that were found after a botched abortion in Washington, D.C. This is one of the babies. Um, they were found in buckets after being dismembered after botched abortions. Um, Lila Rose is the one that posted about this and says that this baby girl seemed to be in the early third trimester. 
And this is the reality of abortion. It's an absolutely horrific procedure. There's another baby that they found in this bucket dead. This is the reality of abortion right here. And one of the reasons I realized what abortion really was is because I looked up images of abortion, right? And I was trying to do this today because the image that jolted me into reality was a small little baby's arm, okay, up next to, I think it was a quarter. The baby's arm is that small because this was still in the first trimester, very small baby, what abortionists would call just a fetus tiny little arm. And I, I saw the hands and the fingers and I realized this is a human child that's been dismembered. And if you go on Google right now and you type in abortion images, you're not going to see any imagery of this. It's very difficult to find. And the reason why that is suppressed is because there is a huge concerted effort to lie to women nationwide about what abortion really is. It's the murder and the, it's the dismemberment of a small child. And it's very horrific. Regarding the satanic temple story, just to give you guys the full, you know, uh, scope of this, they're offering abortion pills to the mothers, which the abortion pill forces the body to miscarry and push the baby out. Still a horrific murder, because again, my body, my choice, that's not your body. It's a completely separate DNA. That's a completely separate body. And if you're so selfish that you would rather kill a child for your own life, for your own career, because you want to feel good in the moment. It's just, it's, it's an unforgivable action to be quite honest. Now, Donald Trump is back in the news and we're going to be discussing the whole Trump Vita Santis thing. And I want to get your guys' commentary on it, but Donald Trump came out um, with this commentary on the whole like gender craze right now. And initially listening to this clip, it's sad to me that we even have to have this conversation but this is where we're at as a country in the modern day. Here's, here's Donald Trump on, on what he plans to do in his next run for president. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. So it's really sad that we even have to have this conversation in the modern day. And I was doing some research and I was like, wait, is there a third gender that is recognized? And apparently back in, I believe it was 2007, the Supreme Court did say that you could put other for your gender on federal documents. So good on Donald Trump for running on this platform. And more importantly, it's really ridiculous and sad that we even have to, as a society, have this conversation. Like that's how out of hand things have gotten. We lowered the expectation, like I said, for modern day society, and we have nothing to fight for. We were all taught to hate America, and we have a large subset of Americans who hate the country and are looking for something to fight for. And instead of fighting for the sovereignty of their country and upholding all of the ideologies and the, the great things that made this country what it is today, because it is the greatest country on earth, they are pushing all of this nonsense that is degrading the country from within. Going back to my earlier rant on the lowered expectations, um, you know, mental health has been used as a big excuse for laziness and bad behavior in modern day society as well. 
oh, well, we need to get police off the streets and we need to replace them with social workers because people that are having an erratic episode on the street are just dealing with bad mental health and they just need help. Oh, the liberals screaming in the street are just dealing with poor mental health because of the state of the political climate. Oh, yeah, we need to have mental health days and take time off of work because life is just so hard. And this type of mentality is what has created such a weak, subservient, and quite frankly, pathetic society, right? This concept of mental health days. Now, mental health is important. And again, making sure that you're taking care of your body, mind, and spirit is important. But what the modern day proposes to do that is so counterproductive to how you actually take care of your mental health, right? Instead of saying, hey, if you face adversity and you face a barrier in your life, Instead of telling you to push past it, to be strong, to build that mental strength, to build that emotional strength, to build perseverance, instead, the modern day is going to tell you, take a mental health day off of work, um, go on antidepressants, and go ahead and just lie in bed all day and love yourself, stay in your safe space. It's created and cultivated an entire weak society that can't handle real life. This is one of the best examples of this from the New York Post. Google engineer slightly mourned after being fired on mental health leave. So this is a Los Angeles-based Google engineer who said she found out she was being laid off after receiving a company notice at 2 a.m. while out on mental health leave. And it goes on to talk about how sad it is that she got laid off. And then you realized that she had reportedly been on leave for about three months when she received the layoff notice. Three months. And this is a concept that I continue to see in modern day society is people taking time off of work for mental health. This woman took three months off on a mental health hiatus and then got laid off and was shocked that that happened. This is the mentality of your average millennial or Gen Zer. And this is why our society is in such decline. So there's a little bit of the culture, right, of the United States of America. And while everyone is distracted with their fake problems that they made up for themselves, like how, you know, KKK members are, are running the streets, attacking every minority in the world and how mental health is at the forefront. And it's just so scary to go outside and have to live normal life while we're all focused in on our fake ass problems over here in the West. Our government is sending billions of dollars of our taxpayer money to Ukraine still. From Reuters, U.S. readies $2 billion plus Ukraine aid package with longer-range weapons. The United States is readying more than $2 billion worth of military aid for Ukraine that is expected to include longer-range rockets for the first time, as well as other munitions and weapons. Two U.S. officials briefed on the matter told Reuters on Tuesday. So it's not enough that we've sent over, I don't even know how many maybe like over $100 billion to that country at this point. We're sending more. We're sending more weapons, by the way, to continue mounting and escalating those tensions between Russia and Ukraine. It's absolutely horrific. And Americans are starting to get upset about this. A new uh, Pew research study came out that said that more Americans believe that the U.S. is providing too much support to Ukraine. Yeah, you think? We've sent, again, like I said, over, I think, $100 billion in aid over there. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point. And we're continuing to send more and more. And if you look into Ukraine and the corruption over there and what Zelensky is doing in his country, it just all seems very shady to me. I always bring this up. But again, we'll note 
that CBS News came out with that Ukraine expose about how 30% of the weapons we're sending over there are maybe reaching the final destination in Ukraine, a lot of the weaponry ending up on the black market. But we're still sending aid over there. And we're not investigating where this weaponry or where our money is going, by the way. We just continue to send it over. Horrific policy. It's just like the leadership in this instance is horrible. And let's not forget that the, that CBS pulled this documentary down, by the way. Let's take a peek at what Zelensky is doing over in Ukraine. Zelensky signs controversial law expanding government power to regulate the media. Interesting. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky signed into law a controversial statute expanding the government's power to regulate media groups and journalists in the country. Zelensky signed the legislation on Thursday over the objections of media unions and press freedom organizations that warned it would have a chilling effect on free speech. Under the new law, the Television and Radio Broadcasting Council, whose members are appointed by the president's administration and by members of parliament, will have broader authority over Ukrainian media organizations and journalists. So do you think that if an independent journalist who maybe wants to report on some of the corruption coming out of Ukraine, uh, if you, you think that if they're, they're wanting to report on that, that reporting is going to get out? I'm going to take a wild guess and say no. Let's keep going, though. On top of that, Zelensky is also demanding that Russian and Belarusian athletes be barred from the 2024 Olympics. <sighs> Zelensky said that to bring Russian athletes back into the Olympic Games are attempts to tell the world that terror is somehow acceptable. So here is Zelensky calling an entire group of people terrorists because of what their leader's decision has been and calling for them to be banned from the Olympics. And a lot of people are listening, by the way, um, from Jeremy Lafredo on Twitter. Australia has provided Ukraine with $475 million in military assistance and is a member of the Five Eyes Western Intelligence Alliance. So when a Belarusian athlete wins the Infosys funded Australian Open, instead of showing the Belarusian flag, a white flag is displayed instead. Jeremy notes that that is a known sign of surrender or defeat. And again, from Forbes, the Australian Open said that Russian and Belarusian players could not compete under the flag or name of their countries and instead have white flags next to their name. So there you guys go. We're just discriminating against an entire class of people and calling them all terrorists now because um, Putin is not happy about the West expansion onto their border via NATO and Ukraine. But yeah, let's just go ahead and circumvent all of that. Let's go ahead and just um, completely overlook the U.S.'s intervention in Ukraine and how they've been trying to encroach on Russia's borders for years. How corrupt Ukraine is, by the way, and um, how Zelensky continues to demand more and more money. And for some reason, world leaders aren't trying to promote peace talks between the two countries. No, we're looking at an escalation to a potential nuclear war. Donald Trump, again, came out with his own commentary on what should be happening right now uh, regarding Russia and Ukraine. Let's listen. Such a tragic waste of human life when you look at all that's happening there. Those cities are obliterated. First comes the tanks, and then come the nukes. Get this crazy war ended now. It can be done. And in fact, it's easy to get done. When I'm president, we will be a strong country again. People will never be playing these games like they've been doing to the United States of America. They don't re so there's Donald Trump's response to it. And again, why aren't we hearing this from our own president, right? 
Joe Biden should be actively trying to stop a world war from happening, not encouraging it by continuing to send military and monetary aid to Ukraine. It's an absolute joke, and we're headed towards disaster and collision, which is why it is very important for us to vote for a new president in 2024. And the two contenders for the Republican Party are going to be Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Now, something very interesting to me is how much the left wing is attacking Ron DeSantis. And this to me signals how much better of a candidate and how more feared he is than Donald Trump uh, by the left wing. How, how more the left wing fears Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump, right? This is from David Hogg. It says, F Ron DeSantis. I know tons of people think he's moderate and sensible. He is not. The guy is Trump but worse and actually competent. So I thought that this was a very interesting take here. Uh, it's basically David Hogg admitting that Ron DeSantis is a very competent and competitive candidate for the presidency and that he is a threat to the left-wing establishment. And I think that that's a great thing. And we should all have our eyes on Ron DeSantis, especially as Donald Trump, to be quite honest, in my eyes, has lost a lot of steam. I don't think that Donald Trump has the 2016 to 2020 energy that he once had. I think that he's surrounded himself with bad people. And most importantly, he's continued to push the vaccine. And funny enough, he came out on his true social account today and condemned Ron DeSantis for pushing the COVID vaccine. But Donald Trump has been doing that for years. And he has since not backtracked on pushing the COVID-19 vaccine. So Donald Trump, to me, looks like a very weak candidate. And he doesn't have the same energy. He doesn't have the same messaging that he had previously. And I don't think he's as strong of a candidate as he used to be. I don't know if it's Ron DeSantis' time quite yet. I'll add that in as well. But I do think that when push comes to shove, Ron DeSantis would be a better candidate than Trump. I just don't think it's his time yet. But he's a very strong contender and he's been quite strong on a multitude of things. With that, I'll wrap up this episode of Rapid Fire. Let me know in the comments what you think about the DeSantis v. Trump situation, what you think about the current situation in Ukraine, the abortion, satanic-funded clinic, the leftist indoctrination of our children, and the illegal immigrants that are now being taught to fully take advantage of America. Go leave me a comment down below. Let me know what you think. Share this show, like it. Uh, please remember to go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll actually go ahead and we will read um, two of those reviews here, starting off with C. Zatoli, who says, reporting the truth in news, we don't see truth on any mainstream media accounts anymore. I'm thankful for this channel. Thank you, C. Zatoli. You left that one for me uh, just a couple weeks ago, and I appreciate you for that. And then we have uh, Fly By Night, who said, thanks for your great work, Savannah. Thank you guys so much. I will again be reading two reviews per show from now on. So go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you want it read on the show. I promise you I read every single one. It helps us grow in the charts over there. Or if you would like to support the show, again, the subscribe star link is down below. I use a lot of that funding to buy new equipment. Like um, I know you guys have been having issue with some of the feedback you're getting from my microphone. I've ordered a... 
I don't know if it's called like a compressor. I, I don't know. I'm bad at technology, but basically it's this little piece that's going to attach to this microphone, get rid of some of that audio in the background. Um, a little bit expensive. So that's what the funding for um, a lot of these, you know, various support methods goes towards making this show better for you. So thank you guys for always supporting me. Remember, you can always go to my website, savsaysofficial.com as well, to keep up with all of my latest work. On top of doing the show and the on-the-ground reporting, I also write articles for the post-millennial. So you can find every single article that I've written on my website. Go check it out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time.